joining us now. You can follow him on Twitter at the very easy Twitter account, D Alter. It is Leafs reporter for SI. It is David Alter. David, thank you so much for joining the show today. You got it, Matt. What's going on? Oh, my God. Well, I mean, first off, like just, you know, Friday, it's 11 o'clock at night. Uh, did you know at that point you were about to get a gift from the content gods? Oh, wow. You know what? It's a good thing I'm older now and I don't make a lot of plans on a Friday night. So, yeah, I guess uh, it just kind of <laughs> worked out. I know a lot of people got caught in a lurch and uh, I was at the helm and ready. And um, when when stuff kind of came, it looked like it was pretty fast. But, uh, you know, the one thing Kyle Dubas has done uh, and has taken a page from Lou is that there's just no leaks for this kind of stuff. Like, I think I saw one sort of inkling like seconds before the Leafs put out the release of all the details, maybe just like seconds before. So there was no sniff of it whatsoever. And so that's something that Lou was always all about. Right. So when uh, Kyle Dubas took over uh, that, that was one of the hallmarks that he tried to kind of keep going. And to his credit, no one really got word of this until it was announced on Friday night. Well, let's just start here. Just your overall thoughts on the deal. Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari and four draft picks going uh, to either St. Louis or to the Minnesota Wild. O'Reilly UFA after this year. Just your now that the deal, you've had a bunch of days to think about it, and the players have already played two games. Uh, just your initial impression of this deal. Yeah, I, to me, I think the most underrated part of it is the Nola Chari deal. Like I, I really felt that the Leafs needed improvement in the third line center spot. And you can call it the fourth line just based on where he is, or you could call it two third lines that Sheldon Keefe has kind of talked about before, but Ryan O'Reilly, you kind of knew what they were getting. They did need a top six left winger. And I guess by, by default, they were able to move Tavares to the wing and kind of address that need. But the number one thing I felt they really needed help with, if they were going to have any success against the Tampas or the Bostons in the playoffs, is a hard-nosed, grind-em-out, third-line center that can really be difficult to the opposition, which the Leafs have not really had. And and that's no disrespect to David Camp. It's just it's a lot to ask from David Camp with a very small sample size in the time that he's been here. Nolachari's done it. He's proven it. He's done it against the Leafs in, in that 18 and 19 Boston series. And, you know, Ryan O'Reilly is a big name that, that helps there. But I still want to see a little bit more to see how that kind of works out. But uh, for two pure rentals there, for what they gave up, I don't think they do that deal if it's just straight up Ryan O'Reilly. I do think that the center depth was a big part of this. And it's why the hall was kind of big for those two rental players, but it made sense because it was pretty clear from a forward standpoint that the center depth was lacking, especially when Austin Matthews got hurt and there was some difficulty in that as well. They really needed to shore that up. And I think they hit a home run in that regard, regardless of the, the hall that goes back the other way, that's going to be quite a thin draft. And so that might be a problem down the road, but for this year, I think it's exactly what they needed to do. So then on the ice, and again, joined by Leafs reporter David Alter, uh, your thoughts about the deployment where having Tavares move to the wing and having Ryan O'Reilly as the second-line center, we're all sort of speculating, well, those of us like yourself and me that were home on Friday night, um, you know, would it be O'Reilly would become the third-line center and you would just boost the bottom six? But uh, right now through two games, there's Sheldon Keefe going, nope, we want to make that second line as dangerous as we can. Uh, your thoughts in, in admittedly a very small, small sample size. 
Yeah, and it's tough, too, because these guys have not practiced, and even though they had an optional skate here in Buffalo, it's not really a practice. And uh, I guess our first one will be on Thursday to kind of work things out. But through some of the games, I think it's been okay. I think you can see where Ryan O'Reilly's creating ability is going to be helpful. And um, just establishing that chemistry and having played with those guys on the world stage before will really help. Um, it, it can be better. I, I think if you look at some of the underlying analytics, there might have been some kind of downplay in terms of the way they looked, particularly against Chicago, but that was a tired game. So it's kind of really hard to judge from those two games. But uh, I see it as a situation where it can only improve. John Tavares held court with the media not too long ago and was kind of talking about how, you know, he hasn't really played a lot at the left wing. And so that's going to be a bit of an adjustment to him, but he's looking to embrace that. And this is something that a lot of people who were calling for Tavares to kind of move around when his play was dipping a bit at even strength last year, were kind of hoping for this kind of move. And so um, there's a real good opportunity for him to continue to adapt his game and to kind of look at what Steven Stamkos did when he moved to the wing and, and was able to help that team get to the promised land of a couple of cups. So uh, I think there's a lot of potential there, and that line looks really good. Of course, like I said before, the Achari thing, I think once they got him, it was pretty clear that O'Reilly was going to be in that top six mix because of how many centers that they had and, you know, right. David Camp wasn't going to be moved around, so I, I think it looks really good in that regard. Yeah, just quick on Camp, I, I think it's better you move him down. It puts him in a better position to succeed. It's like in football when you have like when your top two receivers get injured, and now you expect your number three guy to be a number one. It's asking too much. I think it's the same kind of thing with David Camp. Um, moving over to the guy responsible for all of this, someone who doesn't have a contract after this year, and Kyle Dubis. Does a deal like this, again, uh, uh, once again, help get away from the notion that Shanahan and Kyle Dubas are just analytically driven, give us, you know, speedy, small guys with great uh, underlying numbers? Because this is another deal. And so I think it's Ryan O'Reilly. He can produce. He can score. But these are also deals that were done to get uh, more toughness and grit on the ice and in the locker room. Yeah, I, I think the Leafs have done a pretty good job since 2020 realizing that just kind of going all in on one approach doesn't really work and that they have to kind of find different elements. Like in 2020 when they had Tyson Berry and they had everyone who was just great analytically on numbers that didn't necessarily work and they were going to try and bring different guys that, that brought a different element. Now, sometimes that worked and sometimes it didn't. Nick Foligno was a little bit different than someone who was supposed to bring toughness and leadership. And because of injuries that took place in, in that series with Montreal, it didn't go the least way. And so in 2022, they looked at some of the other things, but Mark Giordano was, of course, an analytics darling and kind of fit and, and made sense here. So here they got guys that they're just familiar with that were very difficult to play against. Um, and I think that they just needed people with a bit of a mean streak and to kind of shake things up a little bit. So it is an acknowledgement there, but I don't think it's too different than some of the adjustments the Leafs have made since Kyle yeah. Dubas was able to kind of see in 2020 that the all-in analytical one-way approach is not the way to go. Oh, yeah, and as you said, we've seen this in some of the moves, and you mentioned Giordano, and before that, you know, Felino, which, again, was a failure. Were you, by the way, were you surprised that Dubas did this 
when, you know, he talked before about it's such reluctance to give away. And again, I know it's not a great draft and the pick will be like number 25, but getting rid of first round picks for rentals. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely the message was very different than what he was saying. And of course, it's kind of really hard to get the honest approach when you have an availability like that. And then anything can happen between now and, and March 3rd. So I was a little bit surprised by that. I was also a little bit surprised by how reminiscent this was of 2021. And while Kyle Dubas said that um, this is was going to be his approach no matter what, whether he was in the last season or not, I'm not quite sure. Getting two rentals and parting with that first-round pick is definitely not in, in the way that he's done it before. Um, I mean, with 2021 and Foligno, there was a clear path to the final four with Montreal and then whoever they were going to play in that second round, and it didn't work out. So I, I am a bit surprised uh, that that they did this, but um, also not surprised just that uh, they, they've got to make this year work. Kyle Dubas said he's going to be evaluated on his whole tenure as a GM in the final year, and really there's only one way to change that narrative, and it's what they do in the playoffs this year. Last question for you, and it's kind of a technical one, so I apologize. What the hell happened on Sunday? I mean, we all wanted to, <laughs> to celebrate the, the holiday Monday with two wins against two bad teams and, and two shiny new toys for Sheldon Keefe to play with. Well, I mean, tired? Tired? Are we still doing tired? You know, it's, it's so many of the guys who play the most minutes are well under 30 years old. Yeah, look, the fatigue is definitely going to be a factor here. The Leafs are going on some crazy trip where they have 11 days to play five games across Western Canada, Seattle, and New York when they come back from this little mini two-gamer. This was the first time they actually did an optional skate after having a full day off. Everyone but Matthews and Marner took it, but it was still technically an optional morning skate, and they're starting to kind of scale that back down because they're finding they're a bit too fatigued. And so it wasn't at all a surprise. It didn't help that Ilya Samsonov was admittedly dealing with stomach issues going into that game. It looked like it in terms of the way he faced some of those shots. So I think those things combined are why what happened happened against the Chicago Blackhawks. And also Patrick Kane, you know, there was a lot of bad, bad things said about him or just people were writing him off as the old, that old Patrick Kane doesn't exist anymore. So he had a bit of a chip on his shoulder to show really well, and he got a hat trick. So that's kind of hard to stop when your premier guy is, is scoring three goals against you. Yeah. Ugh. I just bummed out. I'm like, all right, we're going to celebrate on Tuesday. And again, just, I mean, it's still so, you know, it's still a cool story, but the trade on Friday just took a little bit away from it. Hey, really appreciate uh, David Alter. And you can check out, again, as I said, follow him on Twitter. Easy Twitter follow, D Alter, and uh, publisher and reporter of Inside the Maple Leafs, which is part of the Sports Illustrated Media Group. As always, Dave, thanks for joining the show and enjoy the game tonight. You got it, Matt. Thank you. You enjoy as well. Yeah, absolutely. That is David Alter.